Hello, I'm Will. Welcome to Research Pod. In terms of drug development and widening treatment horizons, we are living in a time of unparalleled growth. Many of these drugs are targeted towards molecular differences in cells, minuscule mutations that set disease types apart. But even if you know the genetic makeup of a tumour through and through, getting medicines to and then into the tumour is a wholly different challenge. Dr. Muti Rafi at Defence Therapeutics speaks to us today about a novel drug technology that gets more treatment to the cells that need it, and what that might mean for the future of designing, trialling and marketing medicines. Dr. Rafi, hello. Hi, nice meeting you. Could you tell us a bit about Defence Therapeutics and your journey through academics, through business as well, and what brings us here today? So I joined Defense in 2019. I was initially the VP Research and Development, and nowadays I'm acting as the Chief Scientific Officer of the company. And my mandate is to really build the pipeline of the company based on the platform. So today we have many verticals being developed or many different products targeting different indications in cancer as well as infectious diseases. So I'm an immunologist by training, and I have a lot of interest in anything related to translational immunology. So translational immunology means developing products that are able to basically activate the immune system so we can target cancer or any kind of ailments that are kind of hard to treat for patients. Therefore, what I really like about the work I'm conducting at Defense is the fact that they have this product or this platform that really answers very important unmet medical needs, which is really making any product get efficiently in the cell. For example, the pharmaceutical industry has been struggling for a while now with the RNAi drugs, which are basically small pieces of RNA that get into the cell, and their objective is to really block translation of mRNA. The problem is they have to deliver a huge amount of this product so that 1% of it can make it to the cytosol. Therefore, our technology could basically come up as a savior for this product, as well as other products, including antibody drug conjugates, vaccination, or anything, including mRNA vaccines that anyone would like to insert into a cell. Defense Therapeutics is a Canadian biotechnology company that was founded in 2017 based on the Acume technology. So the Acume technology is basically just a platform that enhances the accumulation of any biomedicine in a cell. It could be mRNA, DNA, any genetic material, it could be an antibody, a protein, antigen, anything you'd like to insert within a cell. And it really works through breaking down the endosomal components, well, the endosomal membranes, allowing the product to be released in the cytosol. In fact, we've been traveling to many countries, participating in different conferences. We usually go to the International Society of Cell Therapy to talk about our cell vaccination projects, which was held in France this year. We've been to London, UK to be able to meet different investors, family offices, and talk about our technologies. We've been to Switzerland Festival of Biologics to be able to present all our ADC program, other programs that are basically ongoing in the company. We're actually going back to Switzerland in January next year to be able to present the new program, the new clinical program we're going towards. Um, we're also heavily involved in the Immunocology 360 meeting, which is a yearly meeting held in New York, USA, 
every February. So we're always participating in those international meetings to really put defense therapeutics on the map, especially that right now we're achieving very important affliction points related to our clinical programs, which should be starting off in 2024. Well, to talk about antibody drug conjugates in broad strokes leading up to the invention and development of acume technology, could you give me some of the backstory here? What has been the last you know, 10, 15 years of development and some success stories? Sure. So antibody drug conjugates are basically antibodies on which you would attach a payload. So these are toxic molecules, chemotherapeutics. And the objective really is to be able to bring those chemotherapeutic agents directly onto cancer cells. So the antibody drug conjugate field has been mainly focused so far on breast cancer, especially because a lot of these antibodies will target HER2, which is a Herceptin, which is expressed on breast cancer cells. So the problem with this technology is that even though these antibodies are good at bringing the payload to the cell, most of these patients are suffering from a pretty large set of side effects. They have to be on a very long regimen that can go up to six cycles. So that's, you know, months and months and months of treatments. On top of that, these antibodies are not efficient because of the fact that these antibodies get entrapped into the endosome and the payload could not be released efficiently into the cytosol. So we have some issues with respect to the therapeutic potency of these ADCs their ability to really accumulate and target cells. So what the ACUM is able to provide in this context is the ability to really bring in the molecule very efficiently within the cell. And if that is basically the objective, then you can imagine not only having great impact on manufacturing, because now the patient will have to receive a very, very low dose compared to the original regimen, but now these patients will be eventually able to get the treatment on a shorter scale, a shorter timeline, and that will have a great impact on minimizing any sort of cytotoxicity or toxicity induced by these ADCs that are being given to these cancer patients. Now, with respect to developments, I know everybody's focused on breast cancer, but Defense right now is not only working on applying the ACUM technology on commercially available or FDA-approved ADCs to really enhance their therapeutic potency, but we are also developing our own in-house antibody drug conjugates. So we have two targets that we're working on right now. So we can have new ADCs on the market able to not only target breast cancer, but target a variety of other cancer indications. We've also established a partnership with a European biotech to be able to use their ADC or enhance the ADC they have because they've got amazing data, but the doses they have to deliver are quite huge. So we're really trying to minimize our doses by 50, 60, or even 70% to be able to reach the target effect we're looking for. So there are a lot of developments currently for the ADC program at Defense, and we're pretty excited because that really shows you the versatility of our technology and how we can apply it to not only one or two products, but really develop you know, over hundreds of different ADC-related products down the line. I'll ask you about some of those branching ideas for different applications in a second, but you mentioned some percentages there, and I think it's worth following up on those numbers to say that, taking those numbers into a human context, to say that you are able to deliver the same potency with a medicine at a lower frequency of doses, so less time that a patient has to spend in the clinic, lower doses given at any one time. What's the human experience of being on the receiving end of this treatment? 
Yeah, so let's assume you're doing an experiment in vitro on cancer cells. If you add, let's say, a specific dose on these cells, you'll be able to derive what we call an IC50 dose, which is the dose that will inhibit or kill by 50% the number of cancer cells you have in culture. Now, what happens in this case is when we've done some studies where we bioconjugated the acume on TDM1, for example, which is currently used for breast cancer, we were able to enhance the potency by 20 to 100 folds, meaning that we can decrease the amount of the antibody added by 20, 50, 70, 100 folds and reach the same therapeutic efficacy we were able to get with higher doses. Now, what that means or how it translates into patient is that if, let's say, you have a patient that is receiving, I'm just giving a number like this, 5 milligram per kilo of the antibody, then this will be given, let's say, once a week over a period of 12 weeks. Well, now we no longer need to deliver 5 milligram per kilo. We can lower the dose to 1 milligram per kilo, for example, or 0.5 milligram per kilo. And instead of giving it to the patient over 12 weeks or 6 weeks, we can decrease that period by 50%. So the patient will have to take it over 2 or 3 weeks and they will reach the same potency or therapeutic effect as they used to get in the past. So you can imagine in this case that this will have a great impact in terms of manufacturing because we no longer need to manufacture a very large number of the drug. And also it will minimize tremendously the side effects that the patients will have to go through because instead of getting large doses over a long period of time and having to suffer through all these different side effects, now we're really minimizing the exposure to the drug and we're lowering tremendously the dose, meaning that the patient is no longer going to be facing these kinds of toxicity effects. Having a shorter course of more, not targeted, but more smartly applied medicine and having the less side effects go with it, I can imagine not being a huge benefit for the patients, but in terms of a healthcare system as well, you mentioned the manufacturing costs, but also what that means for the purchasing price for the budgeting of any national healthcare system, I can imagine that's going to have a lot of impact there as well. Well, definitely, because now you'll have to pay less of the product of the drug, meaning you'll have to spend less money. Patients don't have to go very often to the clinics or the hospital centers, which means that will have a great impact on the healthcare program. Of course, we're always thinking about this when we develop products because the idea is to have something that is long-lasting, efficient, and for which you can use smaller doses. So by doing that, you'll be able to hit three birds with one stone. So making sure that you inject smaller doses, so it's going to be cheaper. You're making sure that you have the best hoped for outcome, clinical outcome down the line, and also making sure that the patient doesn't have to suffer through the same side effects he's been encountering with these payloads that are quite toxic because these are chemotherapeutic drugs. Even though they're guided by the antibodies, they're still you know, toxins that can cause a lot of damages to the patient. To follow up on what you mentioned about other uses, other indications for this kind of branching technology, there was something in your research that stood out to me in terms of the development of vaccination and tumor immunity. And we've all had something of a crash course globally in the development of vaccines, but that's kind of an atypical example to a vaccine development. So just to retread some of the usual steps in terms of how vaccines are developed, how oncologic drugs are developed. Could I go over some of the different styles of vaccine, some of the steps into making all of this, and then where Acume takes it into that next step forwards? 
Yeah. So when we talk about vaccines, and we've been all vaccinated lately with the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, so everybody's aware of what vaccines are. Vaccines are basically means of activating the immune system or targeting the immune system or educating the immune system to target an antigen, a protein derived from a specific organism. Now, what's important to realize is that when we're talking about infectious diseases and cancer, there is a tremendous difference out there. Even though the concept is the same, you have to remember that a viral or a bacterial-derived protein is considered non-self, meaning they're not part of our body. So the immune system is heavily trained to be able to activate or respond to these antigens or proteins. When we're talking about cancer, on the other hand, it's a bit more challenging because we're dealing with the so-called self-antigens. So in the 90s, a lot of the cancer immunotherapeutics or vaccination protocols were programmed or designed to target tumor-associated antigens. So these are normal proteins that are found in our healthy cells, but they've been observed to be highly expressed on the surface of cancer cells. So even though they're highly expressed, it doesn't mean they're immune reactive. It doesn't mean they can actually activate the immune system because the immune system has been tolerant during its development towards these tumor-associated antigens. So this is where the whole field of proteomics, transcriptomics came into play because the idea there is to be able to identify tumor-specific antigens. So antigens are proteins that are only expressed on the cancer you're targeting. The problem with this approach is twofold. First, you have to really create this kind of an approach for every single patient because these patients are specific. So everyone has its own cancer cells, its own tumor antigens. So you'll never be able to share or find a patient that has an antigen that is shared with another patient. So it's really specific. And second of all, this approach will take between six to 12 months to be able to actually bring in a list of tumor-specific antigens or neoantigens that you'll be able to express and eventually use as a vaccine. So how did we resolve this problem? We decided to basically, first of all, use a completely different approach. So we have a variant of the ECUM that we have basically developed that is able to reprogram a type of stem cell into becoming an antigen-presenting cell. So this is really innovative. This is novel. Not a lot of people are aware of this technology. What we do in this case is we take the A1 molecule and we mix it in this case with the tumor lysate coming from that patient. So what that means is that I have to take a biopsy of the tumor in that specific patient, which is basically a mix of the good and the bad, the good being the new antigens or the tumor-specific antigens, the bad being the tumor-associated antigens or the self-antigens. And then by mixing it with the A1, we pulse those stem cells to reprogram them into antigen-presenting cells. So what happens in this case, without knowing what is the antigen we're targeting, those stem cells are able eventually to present both the tumor-specific and the associated antigens at the same time. And because the immune system would react to the tumor-specific antigen, that's how we can develop a personalized immune reactivity against the tumor from that patient. So in other words, even though this is a universal off-the-shelf allogeneic cell-based vaccine, it always relies on tumor samples from the patient to make sure that we develop the immune response specific to his own antigens. So this is the approach that defense has been developing over the last three years. 
But that is not the only approach. So this is a cell-based vaccine reprogrammed with the A1 molecule, but we have also mRNA vaccination trials or studies that are ongoing right now to be able to demonstrate that we can mount an immune response, not necessarily against cancer only, but also targeting infectious diseases. And another branch of oncology that's attracted a lot of attention and development over the last few years besides targeted therapy has been immunomodulation and immunooncologics. So is there any opportunities for combining these two styles of approach, anything that would work with Akeem to augment or enhance its delivery of that payload? That's a very interesting question. In fact, the answer is yes. In fact, what we have done, we have also developed a variant of the Akeem we call the Acutox. And in fact, the IND submission has been done last week. So if everything goes well, we should be getting the approval from the FDA to move on to a phase one trial early next year. And Acutox is basically a molecule that you can inject directly into the tumor. And what it will do, it will induce cell death. It will kill the cancer. But the way it kills the cancer is very interesting because it does so from inside out. So it goes inside the cell, it disrupts endosomal transport, the transport mechanism, the endosomal membranes, it causes genotoxic effect on the DNA or it causes DNA damages, it blocks DNA repair mechanisms, and it also creates a form of cell death called immunogenic cell death. So what that means is that it will make the cell leaky. It will start, you know, producing some inflammatory molecules that will bring in the immune cells, including antigen-presenting cells where there they can basically uptake the antigens being released from that cancer and mount an immune response to be able to go and reach metastatic nodules or tumors. And so what we've realized with this therapy is that not only it works very efficiently as a monotherapy, so by just injecting the Acutox, but we've also observed amazing synergistic effect with the famous immune checkpoint inhibitors. Immune checkpoint inhibitors are being used nowadays in the clinic for melanoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and other indications. Some of the most popular ones are anti-PD-1, anti-PD-L1 antibodies, CTLA-4, there's CD-47. These are all immune checkpoints that we have tested in our lab, and we've demonstrated that the Acutox technology works pretty well and in synergy with these immune checkpoints. In fact, when we conducted studies, for example, on melanoma, breast cancer, as well as solid T-cell lymphoma, we've shown that our molecule works very efficiently with the anti-CD47, with anti-CTLA4, with anti-PD1, and we were able to get between 70 and 100% survival in these animals. Some of them had their tumors shrinking, others were kind of stabilized, so we're seeing a very potent effect with these combinations. And right now, what we're working towards is to have a phase one trial at City of Hope in the U.S., next year, where Acutox is going to be delivered with Obdulag, which is a BMS product containing both anti-LAC3 and anti-PD-1 in the context of solid melanoma. If that works, we'll be able then to move on to a wider range of indications to be able to treat. Now, it's worth noting that we've talked a lot about success stories and some of the prospective applications here, but Anytime something is being introduced to a biologic system, there's going to be some adverse events associated with it, no matter how inert that molecule might be. So it's worth taking the time to mention now, is there any dose-dependent response to Acutox or to the Akeem technology that has to be weighed against the benefits? Is there any you know, downside to everything that's been very promising so far? Yes. In fact, we have conducted a GLP study. So GLP studies were conducted on both dogs and rats because we have to test our molecules 
on two different species, and we went up to a dose of 100 milligram per kilo. In fact, we didn't observe any death happening in these animals. The only thing we observed with doses approaching 40 or 50 milligram per kilo were redness and inflammation at the site of injection. So that's normal. Now, what we have to keep in mind is that Acutox could not be delivered intravenously because we think it's going to cause a lot more side effects. This is why currently we're delivering it locally, intratumorally. So we're having, let's say, a solid tumor on the arm of a patient. And then with specific needles, these drugs are delivered directly inside the tumor. What's really good about this approach is that this is a small molecule, so it's not going to diffuse very fast and very long away from the tumor. And by doing so, we're making sure that also the half-life is very short. So even though if you have some diffusion going on, this is not a molecule that will be circulating around for 6, 8, 12 hours. It's going to be like less than an hour and the molecule is cleared out. Now, eventually, what we are looking to do or develop is an antibody drug conjugate where this Acutox is going to be the payload. So instead of using, let's say, a commercially available chemotherapeutic agent, we will be attaching the Acutox on our antibodies, and the antibodies will bring them systemically to where the tumor is located. So that's how we minimize really the side effects. But in our hands, in our studies, both preclinical and GLP, what we were able to demonstrate is that the molecule works pretty well at a dose of 16 milligram per kilo, and side effects such as inflammation, redness, and some, you know, at the site of injection were only noticed when we reached doses of 40 and 50 milligram per kilo. So we're way higher than the therapeutic dose. Well, you mentioned some of the trials for development and expansion, the City of Hope trial coming up for next year. Are there any other current trials that it's worth highlighting? I've noted from the paper that there's a range of different tumors that this is being looked at for solid ovarian and pancreatic cancers. Yes, indeed. We have two phase one trials that will be starting early next year. So the first one I mentioned was Acutox, and that's in the US at City of Hope in LA. And that's going to be an injectable anti-cancer molecule, which is the Acutox in combination with Obdulag. The second trial is related to the ARM vaccine. So this is the A1 reprogrammed mesenchymal stromal cell. So this is the molecule that I told you could reprogram a type of stem cell. And the cell-based vaccine, we're having a meeting with Health Canada in January of 2024 to be able to have the phase one clearance in order to really target melanoma. Now, having said that, we have currently work ongoing both in our lab as well as with the CROs to target both pancreatic cancer as well as ovarian cancer. And the reason why we focus on these two different cancer types is because they're really hard to treat and they're basically killer cancers, killing cancers. You know, they kill within six months if they reach to stage three or stage four and for which there is absolutely no therapy available on the market. The only thing we can do is the standard of care, which is basically just trying to attempting to remove the tumor by surgery or giving chemotherapy or radiotherapy, but these therapies or standard of care do not work unless the cancer is diagnosed pretty early, which is not happening very often. So the idea here is that the ARM vaccine, which could be easily adaptable to any kind of cancer, we will be looking forward to using not only melanoma, but also targeting ovarian cancer in the States and potentially pancreatic cancer as well. These are the two most advanced programs we have right now, but there are other programs we're working heavily on, such as a protein vaccine targeting head and neck cancer. But that's probably going to be our third phase one trial, which will be 
attempting to move forward by the end of next year. Are there any other milestones that it's worth highlighting or collaborations? Yes, in fact, Defense has established various partnerships. We've got a partnership with Orano in France, which is a gigantic company involved in nuclear medicine. We've got a contract with Oncomatrix, a European-based company working on antibody drug conjugates. We're currently negotiating a partnership with a giant Asian pharmaceutical company. And we have other programs ongoing currently in Europe where we're trying to really approach large companies like BioNTech, as well as other pharmaceutical giants like Sanofi, as well as Merck, to be able to co-develop any products, including antibody drug conjugates or vaccines with these companies. So we're pretty active in that regard. Who should be listening to this interview and what should they know at the end of this call? Well, what is important to deliver as a message here is that Defense Therapeutics is hopefully going to be the next Genentech. That's our aim at the end of the day. I know Genentech eventually got purchased or got fused with another giant, but the idea here is to really develop a company that will be able to develop different products, different verticals, different objectives. And we could reach that because we're using a highly versatile platform. Now, we're hoping eventually to attract the attention of investors because we're currently in funding raise for our programs. There are very interested bankers and institutions that are in negotiation with us right now to put in between 10 and 15 million to run our two phase one trials. But we're also hoping to be able to reach big pharmaceutical companies that have, let's say, antibody drug conjugates that they want to enhance in terms of the therapeutic potency, any other ADCs that is currently in preclinical development. We're hoping eventually to be able to work with BioNTech or Moderna because we believe that the Acume technology could be highly potent at enhancing the mRNA delivery into muscle cells to be able to really enhance by 10, 20, or even 50-fold the immunogenicity of their vaccine. So at the moment, we're active in terms of partnership. We're also interested in recycling any ADC that has failed phase two trial because of dosing effect or therapeutic effect. We're interested in licensing agreements. We're interested in partnerships. So really, anyone who's interested in working with us or knowing more is more than welcome to approach us and talk to us. We have a website, defensetherapeutics.com, or they can reach out to me directly or our president, Mr. Sebastien Plouf. It's very simple. I mean, if we go to Google and you just type in defense with a C, you'll be able to find a lot of press releases, access to our slide decks, access to our website, where we have all the information available there. Once again, Dr. Rafi, thank you so much for your time today, and I look forward to seeing what comes from Defense Therapeutics next. Thank you very much. My pleasure.